Welcome to the Healing for Male Survivors podcast. This is a podcast for male survivors of sexual abuse and assault, whether as a child or as an adult. Know that you are not alone and the abuse was not your fault. My name is Mike Chapman. I'm a certified recovery life coach and also a survivor. Let's find hope and healing together. In this episode, we continue with part two of my interview with Drew Boa. In this part, we talk about my own healing journey and what I learned in general about what life is like for male survivors of abuse. This section was a bit longer, so I further divided it into two episodes. The final part, part 2B, will post next time. This second part of the interview was posted in February 2022 on the Husband Material podcast with Drew Boa. As I mentioned last time, Husband Material is a faith-based group whose main focus is helping men with pornography addiction, though much of the information and material applies to any type of sexual brokenness. I am also currently a certified life coach for Husband Material in addition to Polar Life Consulting. Part two of my conversation with Husband Material Certified Coach, Survivor of Childhood Sexual Abuse, Professional Santa Claus, and awesome human being, Mike Chapman. Thank you, Drew. Glad to be back. We are going to take some time to learn from you because you have learned a ton about childhood sexual abuse. In the last episode, you told us your story, and now we get to hear your wisdom. One of my favorite things that you've taught me, Mike, is the concept of CSA normal. CSA meaning childhood sexual abuse. And you coined this term. This is your original concept. Why did you create this idea of CSA normal? Well, like I mentioned in last week's episode, uh, back in 2019, I got involved in an online support group for male survivors of sexual abuse called Male Survivor. Uh, We'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, where men from all walks of life who are all survivors of sexual abuse get together for mutual support. As I began reading, I noticed so many commonalities of the men there, so many things that they had in common with me and each other, all because of the abuse. And it made me feel normal in a way because I was no longer the only person who thought these things, who did these things that made no sense otherwise. Now it made sense. So these are all normal things for those of us who had been abused. So it's like, well, yeah, well, it's normal. It's not normal, normal, but it's CSA normal. So yeah, I started using that term. Mike, you have done so much work of identifying some of these patterns and going through so much data, so many stories of men on this forum, thousands of different data points, and you've taken it all and put it into a list of what is CSA normal. What's that list? I will go ahead and list the items that are on my list. It's kind of the top 10, I guess. Uh, And then I'll go through and describe each one. Uh, First of all, same-sex attraction. Uh, Next, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and CPTSD, Complex post-traumatic stress disorder. We'll talk about that. Hypervigilance, which we mentioned last week. Repressed memories. Feelings of guilt and shame. Avoiding romantic relationships. 
codependency and people-pleasing, dissociation, mood swings, eroticizing or sexualizing your abuse, and trauma sexual, which I'll talk about as well, what that means and where that term came from. So first of all, same-sex attraction. Just because you have SSA does not mean you were uh, abused as a child and that it's not always a cause and effect, but many abused men have at least some kind of same-sex attraction that they deal with. Since many of us were abused by men, it's hard for our psyches to develop whatever our normal attractions would have been without the abuse. And one man on Male Survivor said he was never able to explore his sexuality and desires in a healthy and safe environment due to his abuse. And I think that was that explains it so perfectly. Um, next, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and then what's also a newer term being used called CPTSD. It's a lowercase c with PTSD, uh, complex PTSD. I mentioned this last week as well. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder is often, if you have a a traumatic event, uh, those uh, military people who any kind of horrible traumatic event or several events that they experience, they have a set of symptoms that they experience uh, that uh, as a result of that trauma. Or for me, when I watched my son be born without a skull that was trauma yes and if it's left unprocessed and unhealed it becomes ptsd yes exactly um now complex ptsd from what i understand is when usually in childhood where it's not just one or several traumatic events but it's almost daily where it's so often that the reactions of the fear, fight, flight, and all those other Fs that go with that, you are stuck in that mode. Usually, okay, a trauma happens and then you react. Then another trauma happens and you react. Your brain gets stuck in that mode. So even when there's no trauma there, you are still responding as if it was there. So you have that fear, fight, flight, reaction, all those brain chemicals constantly firing off because you were not safe. You were continuously not safe. And that continues on when the trauma stops and it's no longer there, your brain doesn't know to turn that off. So it's still in that constant state of anxiety, wondering, am I safe? How do I keep myself safe? And that continues until that gets addressed which brings up the next item, hypervigilance, which we talked about last week as well. That is a key symptom of PTSD. Uh, It's a fear or a discomfort, especially in large groups that I noticed. Um, In church, uh, I know personally, or like movie theaters, any large group like that, or in parties, I like to be like against the wall, near the exit, or like way up front where I can kind of block everything out and not pay attention and try to focus on the speaker. Because if not, it's like, who's here, who's not here. I'm constantly on alert. And I want to talk about that because a lot of times 
we can hate on fear and say, well, fear is my problem or God says, don't be afraid. So therefore, I will not be afraid. I am going to attack my fear. When in reality, a lot of times, actually, almost always, that fear is coming from a part of us that just doesn't feel safe and is responding to the lack of safety with the best solution that we have. Yes. And even if we are in a situation that is safe, a part of us is perceiving the lack of safety and that needs to be honored. That needs to be loved. That needs to be protected rather than shamed, avoided, put down. So I I want to encourage myself and all of us to be tender and delicate with our fears. Yes. When you have CPTSD, those are real fears. They really existed, even though they're not there anymore. But there is such a valid reason to have those there. And um, that brings up the next point, repressed memories. I repressed all the abuse until I was 30. But that CPTSD and hypervigilance was still there. Even though I didn't, in my conscious memory, remember the trauma. But I still responded to that trauma. Um, And that's another common symptom uh, with repressed memories, that our brain will block out that trauma just so we can survive. Um, Someone described it to me once, uh, if you ever played with marbles and you have a big glass see-through marble, perfectly clear, and you take it and you throw it on the cement and then you pick it up, it's still in a round ball, but it's shattered. It has all those little fragments in it. That's what happens when you face abuse that... um, some of those parts of your brain just kind of break off and uh, hide those traumatic experiences. And it's, uh, I call it like it's, it's a leaky vault. It's a vault. These are locked up, but it leaks out and comes into your daily life until you can open up that vault and realize what it is and get healing. So those symptoms of the trauma and how you respond to things continually leak out in your life. And once I opened up that vault, so many things made sense. So many weird reactions I had to things made sense. And something else with repressed memories, when I was discovering my own and I uncovered it, I uncovered it because there was this huge gap in my memory of first grade. And I always remembered not remembering first grade. I remembered kindergarten. I remembered second grade. I remembered a few little minor traumatic events that happened that year, but it was kind of a big black hole. And I always remember not remembering. So having those huge gaps in your memory, that is a sign of repressed memories. And it's a sign that it may have been related to some kind of trauma, including Uh, sexual abuse as a child. And another thing, feelings of guilt and shame. So many men feel they should have been strong enough to stop the abuse. I was three. 
Um, but yeah, should I have been strong enough to stop it? When it happened when I was 20 with the pastor, I did stop it, but part of me still felt the guilt and shame. It's like, did I do something? Did I say something to lead him on? You know, all those guilt and shame and uh, all those feelings were so there and so present. And so many men feel that way when they uncover the abuse, that they should have been strong enough. Or they feel shame because their bodies betrayed them during the abuse. When stimulated, our bodies have a physiological response. So you may have an erection. There may be an ejaculation. Those are normal physiological responses. That is normal. That does not mean you condone the abuse. It does not mean you liked the abuse. And the abuser can use that against you. And it's like, oh, you're liking this to try to convince you that you're giving permission. Yeah, our bodies become aroused when stimulated regardless of our choice, regardless of our real preferences. The body is going to do what the body is going to do. And that's where a lot of our guilt and shame reside is in the fact that many of us experience pleasure and a part of us liked it. Exciting news. Husband Material Academy is now open. Until July 9th, you can join HMA, the all-in-one program for Christian men outgrowing porn at joinhma.com. HMA gives you everything you need to achieve lasting freedom without fighting an exhausting battle. Hundreds of men have been waiting for this on our wait list, and now is the time to join. You will not have another opportunity until January. So if you want to jump into Husband Material Academy, go to joinhma.com, and I would love to see you there. And that's okay. And it doesn't mean you were condoning the abuse. And part of the madness is how abusers become so attuned to giving us exactly the thing that we're not getting in other areas of life. Right. That attention, affection, affirmation, special. It's what God created us to desire And then they take that and turn it against us. Right. In that uh, Leaving Neverland documentary, the two men interviewed there talked about the abuser and how he made it seem this is an expression of love and that this is okay. And so they didn't even view it as abuse really until they were adults, that it was so normalized because uh, that's how abusers operate. That's part of the grooming that they normalize it. And so you don't think it's abuse. And until uh, even they admitted it wasn't until they had children and those children reached the age that they had been abused, then they thought, well, if that stuff had happened to my child, oh, there's no way I'd be so upset. But it happened to me at that age. And that's when it clicked. That's a really helpful question we can ask ourselves. How would I feel if my child was treated this way? Yes. Or if you don't have children, if you know 
um, of a child that same age from your church, uh, from your family and niece and nephew. And yeah, um, that happened recently, a few years ago in my own church, uh, there was a three-year-old boy um, that I had gotten close to. And then I realized he was three years old and how tiny and small he was. And it just, the realization just hit me and I just wept at how tiny he was, knowing how big I was, and what a horrible, horrible thing it was. And that's why we emphasize inner child work at Husband Material and blessing the boy within you, because it's not the mature adult part of us who's struggling. It's the three-year-old, it's the six-year-old. And when we can come to that part of us, to the young one, to little Mike or little Drew, with curiosity and compassion, and he can experience the love of Jesus and grow up. That's right. Next on the list, avoiding romantic relationships uh, because they can trigger memories of the abuse or you might feel unworthy, that kind of thing. I know in my own life, when I had girlfriends, I was fine with hand-holding, maybe a peck on the cheek, but when uh, we started kissing and things would get heavier they would want to go further and i didn't it just it freaked me out um that yeah sex was something to be feared and well before i had remembered any of these views um even before the thing happened with the minister uh that was my reaction of fear uh so yeah avoiding romance that's very common another thing codependency people pleasing putting others' well-being ahead of our own because that's what the abusers did. That's part of the grooming process that to show love, we put their needs above our own, our own feeling of discomfort. I was sedated during mine, but many were not uh, during their abuse. So part of it is learning to people, please. And specifically... To treat myself as the abuser treated me. Yes, very much so. That we learn that we are worthless. So the only worth we can get is by helping someone with their needs so that they feel better. That's how we feel better for ourselves is to make others feel better because we're worthless. We have no value and that's just drilled into us. We are being treated as objects to be used. Yes. And so that's how we learn to relate to other people. Yes. To be used by them. Very much. The next one uh, that's very common, dissociation. Uh, when triggered, if you've ever uh, been driving uh, your normal commute back and forth to work, and your mind just kind of shuts off and goes into autopilot, and you're driving, and you're driving wait. What, am I, what exit am I on? Where, where am I? That's dissociation. And it happens a lot when you uh, have been abused. Yeah, I'll have arguments with my daughter, who I love very dearly. But if uh, she's talking to me, if it just gets a little bit too intense, boom, my mind will go and completely shut off. And then she'll say, Dad, are you still here? And she'll, she'll see it and she'll see it on my face. 
where did you just go? It's like, okay, no, I'm good. Okay. And bring me back. The analogy I have for this is kind of like an escape hatch. Yes. If repressed memories are in a vault that is leaky, then dissociation is going through my little escape hatch to a world where none of the bad things going on around me are happening. A world where I can forget about things. A world where I can leave my body and be somewhere else. That's dissociation. And by the way, if you say disassociation, that's okay. I just want to gently correct you. It's dissociation. Right. And that's perfect description, Drew, because when you are being abused, that's how you survive it. You dissociate. Your mind goes elsewhere so that you can survive what is being happening, what is happening to you physically. That, yeah, yeah, it's a total escape hatch to keep you safe, to keep you alive. So some of us might be wondering, why do I spend so much time on my phone or on the internet scrolling social media? Well, it's a powerful escape hatch. Yes, yes. Or watching hours and hours binging on movies or sports. It's giving us a way out. Yes. So we don't have to think. We don't have to remember. Exactly. We want to bless that and honor that because it really did help us survive or else we wouldn't have done it. Um, For me, playing the Pokemon video games when I was a kid, that helped me get through some very difficult times of life. And so we have to we have to hold both the honor for what helped us survive and the honesty about how it's not helping us so much all these years later. That was part 2A of the interview. Stay tuned next time for part 2B of this interview, where we continue the discussion on how to find healing from childhood sexual abuse. In the show notes, I will have a link to the PDF document, What is CSA Normal?, which is mentioned in the interview. If you would like to learn more about my coaching with Polar Live Consulting, where I provide one-on-one coaching and group coaching, both with a focus on healing for male survivors, reach out to me at polarliveconsulting.com. That is polar spelled P-O-L-A-R. I would love to hear from you. I want to hear your story. If you would like your story featured on this podcast, contact me via my website. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find me. And I really want to spread this message of healing and hope to others. And remember, you are not alone. Healing is possible and the abuse was not your fault. Let me repeat that. The abuse was not your fault. See you next time on the Healing for Male Survivors podcast.